All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got a returning awesome human and guest, David Sachs, who is an award-winning writer and keynote speaker, aiming his relentless curiosity at the unseen trends shaping the world around us. And he's definitely coming in with... uh, you know, just true to this, I would say David Sachs style, taking a strong stance or uh, uh, opinion on a topic and going all in, which I love. I love about your writing, David. And um, also have to say, kind of apropos to the topic, my last in-person interview was in your living room with you when you came on the show for uh, the, the last book, Soul of uh, Entrepreneur. Which is crazy to think. And here we are. We're doing Zoom again. We tried to do in person. We, we failed. But if we you hadn't try. moved out of the city, <laughs> we if would, you hadn't moved right. out of Toronto, where, you know, to a lovely place, Collingwood. And we have met up in Collingwood at least twice, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. For some burgers and beers and things uh, over the summer. Um, we could have done this in person. Uh, it, and the time, you know, we, we tried to get together for this in person, but it just didn't work out. Just so, didn't work. It didn't work. We're, so we're we, here. We got that one in the bank, and that's what matters. Absolutely. Well, it's a real, uh, it's a real treasure, a real treat to have you back on the show. I really enjoyed this book. It's, it's obviously um, very timely, obviously with everything going on. And I think the other thing too, just talking about technology and the future of you know, the way we work and live and so forth. Just a, you know, a good book that like zoom out and take a minute to ask some questions, right? And like, what kind of life zoom do you out live? Indeed. And, yeah. Right. And just like design the, the, the life and the way we, we want to work that feels probably a little bit more human. So um, I'm excited to jump in. Before we do that, though, we have to start the show with the same question everyone gets. You got this last time. I'm curious to see um, how you're feeling right now. And that's just, who are you? You know, titles aside and all of that, like who is the human Mr. Mr. Sachs in front of me? <clears throat> same old guy you met last time in his living room, same living room, <laughs> although we had to redo some things because homeschool, the children destroyed the the furniture. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm a writer, journalist, yeah. speaker, skier, surfer, hiker, um, middle-aged dad. I think that's, that's the truth there. Um, <laughs> who continually yearns for like holding on to some version of the world he loves while it seems to be slipping through his fingers. Mm. Well, we're, we're going to jump into that. I mean, just to set the stage, I pulled, uh, I pulled a quote that I think really, you know, allows us to jump. Have we into told the people the name of the book? I don't think we've told people the name of the book yet. No, we, we have not. The future is, that a mystery? is analog. <laughs> no, it's not at all. I mean, I'll have that on the show notes. I figured we'd get to it at, at, at one point. But the future is analog. I mean, that should be the first uh, hint in towards the topic and obviously kind of the bold statement. But this, I feel like this quote, uh, there's two quotes that I pull, one from the conclusion. I'm like, maybe I'll start with that. Let's, let's just get real juicy right off the, uh, off the bat. It's this one. Mark Zuckerberg can shove any future where I'm happy to hang out with a hologram on my sofa right up his robotic ass, along with Zoom cocktails and any flavor of virtual socializing. Uh, 
that one just, I, I mean, I had to smirk and laugh. The, I'll, and I'll say the other one too, and we'll just jump in. We road tested the digital future and, ex- and experienced how valuable our analog reality was. Can you say a little bit more about either of those? I, I, I just uh, saw a friend of mine post on, I don't know, LinkedIn or whatever. And she's like, she wrote some article about the metaverse. And she's like, I just call it the whatever, whatever verse, right? Like, ugh, whatever. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's so indicative of what I'm sort of pushing against, which is this assumption that was adopted in the world of business, in the world of media, really, and then sort of in all other worlds, government and, and popular culture, um, that Silicon Valley determines our destiny and that the future is inevitably digital. And what someone like Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or whoever is kind of the, the sort of tech god of the moment Mm-hmm. says and predicts is what we inevitably must follow. Um, and so when Zuckerberg a year ago says, we are changing our company's name from Facebook to Meta, and this is what we're unveiling, the metaverse. It's virtual reality. This is our future. And he says in all these interviews he's doing, this is the future of human connectivity. And the future of human connectivity is going to be you and I having this conversation, but instead of a flat screen, we're going to have you know, screens in front of our eyes and I'm going to see you like this realistic hologram of Mark Champagne and you'll see the realistic hologram of David Sachs and we'll be in this amazing virtual version of Black Bellas Brewing in Collingwood where we had lunch this (laughs) summer. But instead of like a burger, we'll be able to eat piles of gold nuggets and there'll be a dancing bear and flying whales serving us our beer. And, you know, won't that be incredible? And I think... People at first were like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, this is it. What's the metaverse? And, you know, all these companies were like, what's our metaverse strategy? What's our, we're all in the metaverse. How much are we, do, you know, how are we yeah. going to build banks in the metaverse? Like to the point where I think it then took a few months for people to be like, okay, let's actually try this out. Like, you know, they like order a pair of goggles and they strap them on. They're like, oh, this is some bullshit. Like this just, this is like crappy Sims. You know, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wants this? Nobody, nobody, nobody asked for this. Nobody really cares about it. it you know, it, this is the classic example of like a technology that's technically possible, but actually serves no greater purpose. And I think it speaks to the the bigger point of what I'm saying, which is that, you know, we all endured this grand experiment over the past couple of years as for many months, we had to live, and, and, and even years, we had to live a lot of our lives through the internet, through screens, through digital technology, right? We, yeah, we worked yeah. from home. We sent our kids to school remotely. We shopped online. We socialized online. We entertained ourselves and sort of accessed all sorts of culture and things that we would normally do, like by going out to concerts or movies or music online um we even prayed online whatever our faith was you know there's everyone created some sort of virtual Mm -hmm. service and we very quickly realized the limit of that right and which is why we're seeing people going back to stores and going back to you know offices in some way and going back to all the things that we realize are actually really valuable even though we could still keep doing them online and here zuckerberg comes along and he's like 
I'm going to double down on that online shit. Like the problem wasn't being on Zoom all day. The problem is you didn't have a dancing bear in your office. You know, here it is. You can yeah. change your head to any avatar. Just keep this. The problem is the screen wasn't close enough to your eyes. So I'm just going to strap it onto your face. And that <laughs> well said. is the future. And, you know, there's there was a report recently, or I don't know, Facebook, like the numbers came out in some, you know, Facebook filing of uh, financial filing or whatever. And it's like, you know how many people are using this? You know how many people have like bought goggles and sign on and are in the metaverse? Like 200,000. 200,000 people yeah. is like, it's like a moderately successful like Instagram post or TikTok video, you know, in like a few hours of like how many impressions or likes it gets. Like it's, it's a, it's a statistical anomaly. Like it's nothing. It's the most insignificant yeah. thing. Um, so the numbers yeah. are there. This is, this is a future that people are overwhelmingly rejecting because it's just, it serves no one's human needs. Yeah. But it's not like, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I don't, you're not, I don't, it doesn't seem like you're a person that like rejects innovation or technology advancements. I, but, and more so, and I see this right across the board as well. We've, we've ventured so far from the fundamentals that make us humans. Like, right, mm. you, you can look at our nutrition. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, Let's not forget about what we need to live and that we can't eat artificial food and processed food and then expect to be healthy. Right? I mean, Silicon or, Valley, right? is this, this is Silicon Valley is the same culture that brought us Soylent, right? This okay. highly engineered food replacement drink and bar, which is disgusting and overpriced and really not a particularly healthy thing for you to subsist on. And they're like, yeah. this is the future of food, these highly engineered supplements, because, you know, people are just working so hard coding at their desks. They don't have time for a meal and, and proper nutrition. So we're going to give it to them. And you're like, what? No, yeah. fuck you. I'm going to go eat like a sandwich. What, what is wrong with you people? Like, yeah, what? How is this innovation? And, and this, is, this is what I want to get into, right? We have surrendered the definition and um, narrative of innovation to the inventors of technology, whether mm -hmm. it's digital technology or, you know, we'll call it analog technology, right? And, and I think this, this occurred over the course of the past three or four decades, right? We had, you know, these successive innovations in technology, the personal computer, operating systems, Microsoft, you know, Apple, the iPhone, the internet, Napster, um, uh, social media, and so on. And each one of them were, were tremendous and, and had large impacts in our personal and professional lives. Um, and, and we very quickly associated the idea of innovative change and innovative ideas with a new invention, mostly, if not exclusively, powered by computer digital technology, right? And so we're mm -hmm. like, this is what innovation is. And, and it got to the point, and I talked about this in my last book, um, the, you know, uh, Soul of an Entrepreneur, which is like, you're like, you know, you would have these institutions like schools and libraries and governments were like, we're all about innovation. We want to build an innovation ecosystem, which is why we're funding all these digital tech startups, which are trying to do like meal delivery or Soylent or all this sort of other stuff, because that was capital I innovation. That's what it looks like, right? 
But what do we know for the real world? Innovation is just ideas that approach things in a new or intelligent way that solve a problem, right? And, and one of the things I talk about in the books is cities. And people are like, well, why do you talk about cities? It's not really like a analog digital thing. But actually, what, what, you know, when we've when we look at the sort of trajectory of cities over over the years, you know, the, the greatest innovations have always been these analog innovations. And it's often bringing back old ideas. So I think about a city like Toronto, where I live and you lived, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, we had Google and their their company, Sidewalk Labs, come to town with fanfare and, you know, that all the levels of government, Justin Trudeau cutting cutting the goddamn ribbon at the waterfront <laughs> chunk of real estate that Google was basically given. And it's like, this is going to be the, the key to making Toronto a city of innovation of the future. And it was, you know, never went anywhere. It was wildly opposed. Um, why was that? Because their ideas were inventions, but they weren't innovations. Like, oh, we're going to have pneumatic trash cans that are monitored by sensors and self-driving taxis and cars that'll come around and, you know, we're going to have sensors and collecting data and everything. And the ads will just, you know, we'll serve people ads and that'll, that'll pay for these things. And everyone's like, have you been to a city before? Do you know what a city works? Like, this is not an innovative thing. What is the most innovative thing we saw in a city like Toronto during the pandemic, right? It's like, oh, we can close streets and people can bike on them and walk on them that previously were only given to cars. Oh, we can we can put restaurant seating and patios in parking spaces that were just taken up by cars. So true. And that completely changed the fabric of the city. It made life more livable. These were innovative ideas that had nothing to do with a new technology. In fact, it's like, let's bring back the European plaza, which is something that's, I don't know, hundreds if not thousands of years old, right? Let's, 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 Let's give a city back to the feet and the wheels that are human powered rather than the automobile. And so, you know, this is, this is in many ways what, what I'm talking about, right? Which is that we are obviously moving forward into the future, you know, from one second to the next, that's inevitable. And it is inevitable that there will be new inventions and innovations in digital technology and other technologies that people are creating and implementing. And that, that is going to happen. And that's going to keep happening. There's going to be new devices, new software, new applications, AI, blah, 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 blah. Right. But the other Mm -hmm. truth is that we're still human and we still have these physical needs and these needs about the way we interact with the world socially, with our bodies, with our minds, with our hearts, um, that aren't always going to be served best by that digital technology. Sometimes we need analog solutions. Sometimes the future of eating isn't a highly engineered, you know, diet shake. It's (laughs) a patio, right? Or like think about bread. It was like, oh, we've come up with this, you know, um, the scientific future of bread. It's it, it never goes bad, and it's we've enriched it with all the vitamins you need, and um, and and you know, its shelf life is good, and it's inexpensive, and it's a wonder. We call it Wonder Bread. It's pre-sliced, and that was like the soylent of its day. And now, you know, what's the biggest innovation in bread in the past forty years? It's like sourdough in a wood-fired <laughs> oven, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's so true. You know, like. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like you can't, you know, people are like lined up around blocks for like the best sourdough bakery, Collingwood, you know, Collingwood bread. Love that bread. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. shit sells out by like 10 o'clock in the morning. But it's it's yeah. this innovation that was introduced to the market. And people are like, actually, I know what people need. Right. This is yeah. this is the healthier, culturally appropriate more interesting, more desirable way. This is the way we want to live in the future. So like there could be flying cars and robots and whatever the hell is going on, but like I still want that sourdough baguette. Yeah. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at behindthehuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's behindthehuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. It's in, I, I mean, I saw this recently as well, even through through my work on the mental fitness side, because I've you know I've done team experiences, bringing in the practices and getting people to feel it and whatnot. And I've done many of those at like Hyatt's and Sheridan's and whatnot. And then recently did one uh, in the Catskills, just outside of New York. Same programming uh, and, and so forth. But it was as if people and they were coming. People were coming from New York and LA and stuff like that. It was as if. The, the 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 people attending were stepping in at like step three in that mm-hmm. journey versus step zero, and it was unbelievable how different. I mean, we were we were sitting outside, you know, surrounded by it was it was in the fall. The the, the leaves were changing. Like I said, very similar practices and programming that I was delivering, completely different emotional response. I mean, half the mm. group was in tears within, you know, 10 minutes. Good tears, wow. mind you. <laughs> and I just remember like leaving that, you know, experience thinking, well, what like what was the big difference? And it was really the 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 grounding effect of of nature and just like pulling ourselves out of the busyness of, you know, being in a Hyatt, which, you know, five seconds later you're in, in crazy, you know, congestion again in, in the city. It's so powerful. It's we, 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 if we, we forgot, I think we forgot that we are humans yes. and humans are <laughs> yeah. animals, right? We're, we're not yeah. digital creatures. We're not, we're not assemblages of software and hardware. Like, I think there's this idea that we are in some way, but we're not, we're not optimized for efficiency. We're not highly logical creatures. We're, we are, we're animals with animal needs, physical needs to touch and feel and smell and communicate th- with our bodies and our minds in face-to-face ways. And, and you know, we taste and we feel and we do all these things. Um, and we're highly emotional creatures. That, that's our greatest strength is our emotional ability to care and think and feel things. And, you know, that's what, that's what an effective workshop is right that's what Mm -hmm. you know if this book is successful with someone who's reading it 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 triggers their emotions it's not just some intel dry intellectual exercise in facts and figures um uh you know the same with this podcast someone listening to this isn't like oh that's interesting i learned that about analog they're like yes i feel this or no 
this, yeah. this is this guy's an idiot. I love my Soylent, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, there goes breakfast. Who's that? A little like white log, like a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only know 100%. that because I, yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent white logs. Um, uh, and and I think we forgot that we forgot yeah. that as again we surrendered to this assumption that oh well, human, you know, the future is digital and the world is digital, and you know, this is this is what we need. And I, and I think like Zuckerberg's metaverse thing is that ideology, and that it really is. It's an ideology. It's a it's almost a religious I belief taken to its extreme. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Yeah. What, what we have to do now is sort of shift those human needs online. And then if we can keep doing that, then we can really serve what people want through ones and zeros. It's just a question of graphics and resolution. And, and then we can build this ideal utopian world there. Um, and again, it just goes against reality, not virtual reality, reality with a capital R, um, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is like, hey, we still have bodies. You know, you can strap a screen to my eyes, but like, I'm still a flesh bag. Um, I need to move. I need to smell. I need to taste. I need to interact with people face to face. This, this screen version of this shit is not sufficient for my needs. It can do, it can assist me. It can elevate parts of my life, right? I can put me in touch with people. Um, it can help me do work, but it's not the do all and end all. And I yeah. think what we found during the pandemic when it was the do all and end all, and I was up there near where you live for the first, you know, 11 weeks living with my mother-in-law at her, her house, you know, down the road from you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's like a beautiful, gorgeous, like, you know, weekend, fancy country house, you know, hot tub, sauna, like everything you could ask for in life. Right. But it was... It was insufficient for my needs. I needed to go outside. I needed to walk. I needed to hike. I needed a bike ride. I needed to see people. I needed to have conversations. I needed, I needed to do work that wasn't just sitting in a laptop all day. Um, yeah. uh, there has to be more than this. And I think that realization is a really hard but valuable lesson about the future that we can't simply... We can't simply shrug off. We can't simply say, "Oh, that was terrible," but let's let's get back to Zoom. Um, we actually have to we actually we actually have to learn from that, right? We have to say we went through that, and it was a it was you know it was a, it was an awful traumatic experience. What did we learn, right? And yeah. and that's yeah. what I hope you know people can reflect on and take away if they read this book. So what what questions are you asking yourself then to <clears throat> live in, I guess you could say like somewhat of an integrated world where, I mean, we do, you know, we have the mix of analog and digital and there's certain things that, you know, we can control and there's many things that are outside our, of our control. But for you personally, like, are there some, like when you set up your days or, you know, think of the year uh, ahead and so forth, like, what questions are you asking so that you feel like you've got a good balance in terms mm. of, you know, the technology and, and like you said, like kind of serving our, our human needs? Yeah. I, I, you know, does this activity I'm doing, whatever it is, require technology? And if it does, does the, mm. if it doesn't, does the, does, does digital technology make it, better 
right? Does it improve it? Let's pick a really simple example from when we went out for lunch this summer. QR code menus. (sighs) Pointless, right? Yeah. Initiated at the beginning of the pandemic because nobody knew any better. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get a COVID from a menu. Okay, fine. Whatever. Like doesn't save restaurants. How much, how much money does it save a restaurant each day on printing menus? I don't know, a few bucks, right? Yeah. Antisocial, because all of a sudden it, it, it takes you away from the moment and you're in your phone while you're in your phone, you can start looking at messages and whatever. And, and, and yeah. cumbersome and non-functional, like click this link and then if you can get a signal, great. There's a PDF of a menu and you're like scroll in to like look at the prices and it's just, it serves no purpose. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. elevate the experience. It's a technology that's sort of possible to happen. Um, but, you know, how do I find this restaurant? Especially if, if I'm traveling to a city that I've never been to, right? Google Maps, great, fabulous. You know, I was in San Francisco last week and I went and kind of like rented city e-bikes and like zipped around and went hiking. And I was like, map, where's the hiking trail? Map, where's this? Okay, where's the next bike? Perfect. Like the technology enabled me to have this gorgeous experience outdoors on the coast, standing on cliffs, looking out to the Pacific Ocean in an area that I'd never been to um, uh, and, and find my way back to lunch at a restaurant with my friend John. Um, uh, all of that was enabled by the technology, but the technology wasn't the core of the experience. It was, it was an enabling factor. And I think that's yeah, it. That's right? the does, yeah. Is the technology elevating my life? Is it making it more human? Am I getting to do more of the things that I want to do, whether it's work, is it enabling me to work in a more productive or efficient or meaningful or thoughtful way? Um, or is it getting in the way? Right. And, and mm-hmm. I think if we can ask those sort of critical questions around technology in sort of throughout the day as we're using it, then um, then we'll live richer, better lives and our future will be better because we'll we will automatically build in this scale that will that will, you know, balance itself out. Right. I think when we defer yeah. to the technology for every activity, um, because it's there in our hand, because it's the thing that, you know, our boss says is going to make us more profitable or, you know, a salesperson saying, this is what you need for your, for your thing, for your podcast or your company or whatever, like then we're, we're already losing out because we've, we're, we're letting the technology dictate who we are. And that's, that's not a good future because you end up, you end up in the metaverse drinking a shake or whatever. Yeah. Well, you just, you, you end up on like default mode and I don't know. I mean, in any situation for the most part, as soon as we stop thinking and just like go into this like automatic flow, usually, I mean, there are some cases where that's, that's, that's convenient or helpful, but for the most part, doesn't lead us in the right, you know, in a very good place. I, I always come back again to nutrition. It's like, you, you know, you just, you let the grocery store f- you know, pull you through, uh, pull you through those aisles. You're not coming out with healthy food, oh, right? A bunch of Cheetos, you, you, yeah, right. Like you've got to, you've got to go in using your mind and with some yeah. intention. And and I, I really think it's it's the same thing with with everything we're talking about. Like, and it's so easy to fall into that that trap because we're just surrounded by it all the time. 
nonstop. Right. And, and we we forget, like we see, it's it's been sold to us. It's been it's been it's been claimed as this unalloyed good, right? Look at you know Steve Jobs. He's an innovator. Look at all he did in the iPhone. It's going to change the world. And Elon Musk is going to change the world. And you know Facebook is going to change the world to bring people together. And look at the ads for Facebook. They're saying they're connecting humans. Like there is a profit motive there. These people are salespeople. They are selling you something. Um, yeah. That thing might be good, it might be useful, it might be helpful, it might be beneficial, right? But you're still being sold something in the same way that you're being sold a, a, a pallet of Coca-Cola at the grocery store by the Coca-Cola bottling company, right? Um, yeah. Doesn't mean Coke's not delicious, doesn't mean it won't be taste good on a hot summer day when you're having a, a barbecue or whatever, but like, you know, all that advertising, all that marketing money is 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 there, and the consequence, if you follow that to its logical end, is diabetes. So you have to be critical in the way you think, and we we we're becoming that more so with food. We, we we're more critical of that. We understand now the consequences of of the McDonald's Happy Meal ad campaign, right? We understand yeah. the consequences of all this stuff. Um, and we have to unlearn these behaviors. And it's difficult. It's, you know, we want to eat junky stuff. We want to, you know, we went, to, we went out for lunch and we're like, oh, these salads look good. But we're like, but a cheeseburger. And we had cheeseburgers. Yeah. And they were delicious because you're in a brewery. Don't waste time with salad. You're already having a beer. I don't know yeah. where I'm going with this yeah. rant. But we're conscious <laughs> with that. I, I think that, yeah, the difference yeah. is, again, like you can you can continue the analogy and just be like, well, if you have beat beer and cheeseburger, yeah. Every, yeah, let's just just milk that milk that cow. Um, if you if you if you have a cheeseburger and, and a beer every single day without thinking, like then you know that's where where you run into problems like that. And I think that's the same thing with. With technology, I mean, I I'm I'm quite grateful for a lot of the technology I have, but I'm also doing everything possible to form healthy relationships and relationships as much as I can on my own terms, knowing that I might be naive to you know some underlying psychology that's taking place with a lot of these algorithms, but also still like just not picking up the phone first thing uh, I do when I wake up, and and maybe actually reading a physical book and. Go figure, you know, certain things like that. Um, I just think we need to think about it, you know. I just, in general, we just need to think more, you know, use these beautiful minds that we have, ask questions and think. We've, we've like stopped thinking and we've saw this with the pandemic too you, and, and it still happens. Like we can't, it's, it's almost like we can't function as a society unless the government says you can do this or you can't do that or you, or you can't do that. Like, well, wait a second. Can we ask some logical questions on on and and I'm not taking stances on 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 the pandemic, but I mean just ask. I've questions. seen that hockey stick strapped to your car. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And a big pair of testicles hanging off the back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. But I mean, right? Like, it's just it, we've lost the ability to. It appears to like think for ourselves. Yeah, uh, I mean, critical. You know, it's it's it's. I I think digital provides us with very straightforward and simple answers. That's the attraction of it, right? It's very binary, one and zero. Yeah. You know, and I think the promise of that digital future is one of certainty, right? Oh, well, in the digital future, sure. you know, we're, we're just, you know, the algorithms are going to calculate out what you need to know. Um, you know, you want to know the exact root of how you get there? Like, 
plug it in and Waze and Google Maps will tell you, right? So we, it's like, oh, okay, great. Like turn left, turn right. Oh, wow, this is awesome. And in the future, like the car's just gonna do this for me. Amazing, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe in some instances, that's good, like driving. But in other instances, you know, the, the reality is there's no simple direct binary answer. And, we, and we're hoping, we're like, well, you know, <clears throat> once the AI is developed, it'll just tell me exactly like what to do in my job and, and, and how to, you know, what do I say in this, in this particular moment? Um, and yeah. that, that attraction for certainty is again, this idea of like, hey, you don't need to think, you know, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Like your, your critical thinking is, is <clears throat> it's, it's not as relevant. And, and I think that's just, that's, that's, first of all, it's wrong. Cause it never works out that way. Anytime there's sort of this promise of like, oh, technology is going to give us a solution. It's going to be great and perfect. It's not. Yeah. It, there's no such thing. Because the sure. real world doesn't operate in that way of these binary perfect solutions. Maybe there's certain aspects that do, um, uh, but most of it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So how do you then, David, keep your mind healthy or clear knowing that like you can, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of research, talked to a lot of people about the subject and, you know, probably have a little bit more insight than many on the future that is being created and seems like it's not necessarily in a future that you're uh, aligned with. So there's a bit of, it's like, this is, this is happening. There's some things that are within your, your control, but there's also, there's got to be a little bit of mental pressure there of like, ah, oh, like I can see where this is going. This is not where I want my, you know, kids to be and so forth. So is there is there anything that you're doing to be able to just process um some of that mental pressure? I mean, I think, you know, somebody studied history in university for whatever that's worth. Um one is the notion of like no future is predetermined, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we're again, digital the people around it is sort of like, it's inevitable that this is going to happen. It's inevitable. Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable. Like, this yeah. is going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Surrender the robots. Um, nothing's inevitable, right? Nothing is inevitable. How many people over the past few years have been like, crypto is, you know, this is the future. It's guaranteed you're an idiot. Look how much money I've made. Fiat currency is yeah. done, blah, 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 blah. Well, where are they now? Where are they now? Hoping for fiat currency, right? Because, yeah. That assumption of this sort of, I, I think it's, I think it's, I, I'll, I'll get to actually what your question is, but it's, you know, the, that digital certainty is based on this idea of Moore's law, which is like the fundamental physics law undermining sort of the, the way that digital circuitry is built, right? Gordon Moore, founder of Intel, you know, mm -hmm. in the 1956, I think is like, hey, I, I've come up with this calculation every 18 months the transistor size is going to shrink by half and the cost will go down by half too and the speed will double. And like, that's it. So that's why computers keep getting more, more and more powerful every year and a half. Um, but that's been extrapolated out to life and the world around us. And that's just not true, right? It's We're more two steps forward, one step back. That's how the world works. You know, think about it in the terms of politics and human rights and the environment, yep. and all these different things, right? Nothing is inevitable. Nothing's inevitable except the shrinking of the polarized caps. That's <laughs> entirely due to human behavior. Um, nothing's inevitable. And so I think the first thing is, is realizing that. Like, no future is predetermined. 
Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have agency and you can change things and you can make choices and you can sort of define what you want to do. And I think knowing that and accepting that is like the most helpful and hopeful thing that you can do. Um, so I think that's a bit. Yeah, that's my, that's, let's say a philosophy that I've kind of, kind of accepted. And when I do feel like, oh, this is, this is dead or I'm doomed or whatever, this is done, then that's when that, then you feel powerless. And when you're powerless, you'll look for something that will give you that certainty. Um, yeah. you sort of hold on to it. Um, so I think that's, that's part okay. of it. And then again, it's, it's this notion of like free agency of like, well, I have a choice of what technology to use. I have a choice of how I'm going to do things. I have a choice of <clears throat> where I'm going to live and how I'm going to live and how I'm going to get around today. You know, I can choose to take a bike. I can choose to take the str- subway. I can choose to drive my car. I can choose to take an Uber. Like I have these choices and I can weigh the impacts of them in different ways, the costs and benefits and so on. Okay. I'm just thinking, are there any, the next place after this? Yeah, exactly. You're going to run to that interviewer. It's a long run. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Are there, um, just sticking on the mental fitness side of things, that's the through line of this show. I mean, in your, you know, you've been on a book tour, uh, continue to be on a book tour, a mix of in person and virtual and so forth. Um, are th- have there been any non-negotiable practices, especially when traveling? Because that's usually when our routines get most disrupted. Uh, what are the things that you do so that you're, you know, you feel good and your mind's sharp and you're able to, you know, be the person that you're you're trying to show up as? Uh, walk, get outside okay. and walk. I mean, basically, when I was on book tour, if I wasn't flying or taking a train between cities or doing an event. Um, <clears throat> or eating, it's a good thing to do. I was outside, yeah. like even in Seattle, it was pouring, like freezing, like buckets of rain. And I went for a short walk, granted, sure. uh, <laughs> to meet a friend at, at a, at a restaurant, but like I could have taken a car and, and I didn't, I walked the like eight blocks there, got drenched. Um, but it was like, I need time outside. Right. So I think that yeah. for me over the past couple of years has become very apparent. I'm like a dog. If I am not let out and get my little <laughs> walk a couple times a day or more, I go crazy. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's that's one. I think the other one is like, what are the times that I am engaged with my family and my personal life? And what are the times when I'm working? And I, and I, you know, you can work around the clock and you could, you know, work anytime, anywhere. That's the sort of ability that digital technology gives us now, this sort of, connected world of being able to take calls and meetings anywhere, anytime. Um, but yeah. I don't do that. I do it from like nine to five, Monday to Friday. Uh, you want to yeah. do something on the weekend? Like there better be a real good reason why, or a whole lot of money that you're paying me to do that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Cause no, that's not like, why would I do that? Um, yeah. and so I, I think, you know, setting limits, setting boundaries, which is hard to do. You give up stuff. I, I really had a book project I was supposed to work on with some people. And they were like, well, what do you mean you're not going to work on weekends and nights? And I was like, I'm not. Like, unless it's an absolute yeah. necessity. And that was it. That was like the end of the relationship for us. Like, it never went anywhere. Because they were like, well, to hell with you. Like, we need someone who's on call. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I say, yeah, no, but there's so many. I mean, there, there's so many people that uh, would have had the reverse 
you know, answer in, in that situation. Yeah. I think eventually we get to it though. I, like at least what I'm seeing, especially with this kind of work, because for the most part, um, you know, people hit a wall at, at one point and there's a reason mm-hmm. for that, right? It's like you get to these, okay, you can only do the evenings and weekends thing for so long until, oh, that has now caught up to me and my right. mind is about to explode. Because and the computer doing, and the yeah. internet never need to turn off. As long as it's plugged into power, yeah. it can run 24 hours a day, seven days a week for eternity, right? And yeah. it will constantly yeah. do the job and constantly be fed. And we have, we have aligned that expectation with human bodies. But human bodies and human minds and human hearts do not work in that way. They have limits. Yeah. And those limits are good. Those limits are actually our strength. They're beneficial for mm-hmm. the work that we do because it allows us time to think and process and separate. And in doing that, we come up with creativity. We're able to compartmentalize. We're able to, to question, which is the core of sort of the work that you do, Mark. Like we're able to step back and question the things that we do in these other parts of our life and bring that back to it when we're getting back to work or we're getting back to family. You know, we're thinking about family when we're doing work. We're thinking about work when we're doing with the family when we're doing something like mountain biking, which is what you do and which I hope to do if I can afford one of those stupid mountain bikes that you told me I have to buy. Um, (laughs) Fucking $20,000 bicycle, get a life. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) For the record, I'm not riding around a $20,000 mountain bike. You should really get an email, David. I was like, how do you mind, man? Like, yeah, yeah totally. looking forward to you buying me for my birthday next year. No, uh, <laughs> I'll just take your old bike. Where, where do we go with this? It's like the mind, the body has limits, right? The, the, yeah. the, the body, the body, the body has limits and those limits are good. There is only so much time that you can mountain bike for in a given day. Yeah. Um, yeah. physically, right. Yeah. And work for and sleep and eat and spend time with your children. There's a limit to that too. We all realized that during the pandemic. Uh, And then some. Within like a minute, we realized. We're like, oh yeah, 20 minutes a day? That's perfect. That's the the ideal amount of parenting. No one should have to do more than that. (laughs) Um, uh, and, and, And I think respecting those limits is again, like this is, if we can't do that in the future, and the future is again being limitless and just like an ad for Slack, like, do it anywhere. Do work anywhere. Have those conversations anywhere, anytime. We're we're screwed, right? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. Screwed. Well, I think the physical exam, physical exercise example is a good one because if we like we get that one. It's like yeah, we you know you can't, uh, you know, for, for a, from a long term perspective, you can't be mountain biking like nonstop or doing you know. Did you do that twelve hour walk? Hit. By the way, did you I ever did do that twelve hour walk? I did. How was it? And it was great it was i but i went in very naive in the sense that i'm like oh this will be a really great mental clearing exercise which it was for the first Mm. three to four hours and then once that once i got to that point i was like oh shit this is actually going to be a physical challenge because for whatever reason my mind didn't compute i'm like well i'm just walking you know it's not that crazy but moving the body for an extended period of time like that um, when you don't normally do that. I mean, I'm pretty active, but for 12 hours straight, it quickly changed you, into... Yeah. Yeah, I walked, you I, walked, I walked 12 hours. I walked six hours straight, essentially, to Thornberry, which, is, uh, which was the halfway point, had lunch, and that was the big mental goal. It took uh, you to six sit hours? Down. Wow, that's... Yeah, amazing. 
Yeah, five, I mean, let's say probably five and a half because I was really trying to make sure that my like that was the halfway point. So yeah, there were some like detours to basically add in some time. Um, but it was like that experience was was actually quite uh, enlightening in the sense of the first hour. I noticed right away that I was like racing to the destination. And I was like, oh, I need to get downtown by this time. Like, no, I don't. There's, there's, I'm actually not being tracked on any time or compared yeah. to anyone. It's just walk 12 hours. So like, well, why is that? Well, because we're racing or I'm racing uh, all the time, all day to the next meeting or doing work in between the meetings. It's like the, the mental racing, right? So it's just, there's, there, and there was just, there were so many other examples throughout the, throughout the walk where you can like still your mind and think, wow, again, like the default mode that I'm operating on, um, you know, if I don't adjust that, it's, 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 it's not healthy or it's just not, you know, the place I want to be essentially. Right. And it's, you know, coming back to your example, like if you're doing something physical for extended period of time, day in and day out, we know that the body eventually needs to recover and breaks down, but we don't think about the 24 hour or the, or the 12 to 14 hour hit workout that we put on our mind every mm. single day. Mm. Like then it becomes, well, oh, strange that we have a, you know, uh, a mental health crisis right now. I mean, it's obvious in terms of why that, that is. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, you, you, Dave, you provided like really great, um, great prompts, great perspective on, I think just having more things in our control than we probably think that, that um, or, 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 or maybe don't realize that we do when it comes to the future. Like we are all collectively somehow responsible for creating that future. And, and um, you, know, we can, you know, we can take some steps that are within our control to make sure that our lives are set up in a way that feels good for us and, and serves our needs. And, and, you know, try not to be too hard on ourselves and leverage, you know, leverage the, the innovation or the technology in a way that, uh, again, fulfills us as, as humans. I think that's kind of a big through line um, to the conversation. I do, oh, I want to leave you with one or, or ask one last question. And I am curious to know, like, what excites you about the future from your perspective? The things that excite me about the future are the same things that excite me about day to day, right? It's like, what's coming up next? What are the new surprises that are that are happening? And I'm not talking about flying cars or any sort of invention. I mean, maybe there yeah. will be interesting, amazing things that will be really cool. Um, but it's like, where do we get to travel? What kind of new sport am I going to pick up? Who am I going to meet? Who's going to become like my new friend next year? You know, like I, we met a couple yeah. years ago. You randomly reached out to me because of you heard about my book came to my house. We had this great conversation. You ended up moving up to Collingwood. We've met up a couple of times like that, yeah. you know, that randomness of like human interaction, you know, new friends, new experiences, you know, all those things. <coughs> that's sorry. That's what excites me about the future. Right. And that, yeah. that is unchanged in human history. Like that is, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not interested in what Elon Musk, I, I, I'm not interested in anything that asshole's doing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, brain computer interface bullshit. Like, what's, you know, where am I going to go like hiking next? Or, you know, what yeah. kind of food am I going to discover that I really love? Um, the things that have always given me meaning and, and, and joy and excitement in the past is, is what I'm excited about for the future. Yeah. Love it. 
Well, I, for one, am uh, grateful and excited to continue our Toronto Taco food tours and walking uh, journeys in, in whatever city that we meet in, up in. And uh, I know you. I know you need to run to put on your virtual your virtual reality workshop, but it's yes. been really fun. <laughs> Come to the metaverse, <laughs> it's been really, exactly. Where I will fight Author- a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, speaking to David Sachs, the authorized Meta virtual reality workshop leader <laughs> and facilitator. <laughs> Kill me. Kill me in the real world first. Yeah. I will put the links in the show notes to The Future is Analog. It's a great book. And it's, as you can probably pick up in, uh, in, the, in the conversation, it's just, you know, it's, it's full of Mr. Sachs' writing style, which is unique, fun, uh, humorous, and I think above all, what I like the most makes you think. So thank you for your time and your work. Thank you, Mark, for being a great human, a great friend, and of course, a wonderful podcast host. Um, I always appreciate this. In person, obviously more, but I'll I'll take this. <laughs> I'll take this and I'll buy you the burger later. Sounds great. 